Welcome to the Fairview Baptist Church Discipleship Podcast. This is a resource designed to help the covenant members of Fairview Baptist Church carry out our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Joshua Johnston, and today I'm joined once again by Jared Sneed and Mike Heelan. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going through a four-part series on worship, and up to this point, we've discussed why we worship and what worship is, and today we'll discuss how we worship. Now, we've got a lot to cover, and so we're just going to jump right on in, and I, I have a question uh, first for both of you guys, and, and it really has to do with how people worship, and I'm just curious, what styles of worship services have you guys been a part of? Uh, I have experienced a lot of different types of worship services, I guess you could say. I grew up in a traditional uh, Southern Baptist church um, with piano, organ, choir, and the robes, and hymn books, and, and I still love many of those hymns, um, and I would sing in the choirs. In high school, I um, joined a worship band, and that band would get hired for different uh, youth events or different church services around our area, and during that time, I experienced a little bit of everything, um, from the traditional all the way through to uh, some Pentecostal and charismatic services that would end up lasting for like four hours, and people were speaking in tongues and praying all at the same time. I mean, so I've really been a part of some of those things, but I've also uh, traveled to, I think it's eight countries, and experienced different worship services in each each of those countries, and so one church one church I remember just used drums. I don't, that's it. That was the only instrumentation they had. Uh, another church, um, they had this like Middle Eastern stringed instrument sort of thing that I don't even know the name of. I'd never heard it before, seen it before. Some other churches that had no instruments at all, just singing. Uh, and so a very, very wide range of experiencing different services like that. Well, Jared, you had an opportunity to be experienced, uh, to be exposed to a lot of different styles of, of Christian uh, worship. Um, I was prepared for and, and spent over 30 years uh, leading a, a very conservative, traditional type of worship service. I'm sure, sort of how you were raised in the Southern Baptist Church. I, I got a great deal of training and experience in choral conducting, and I learned that music ministry must emphasize quality and beauty. In the early years of, of this millennium, uh, when I was in my 50s, I began to yearn for something more in, the, in corporate worship. And that yearning led me on a, a journey which brought me to embrace a different understanding, and that is that corporate worship is not about style or about impressive beauty but it's about the heartfelt engagement of every person in the church. That engagement must involve music, which is theologically rich, attractively emotional, and interestingly singable, and has nothing to do with style. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for sharing. Um, so you've both experienced quite a variety of, of worship styles. And so, Jared, let me ask you, as we consider how we worship um, does God even care how we worship? Well, the short answer is yes, uh, God does care how we worship. Um, he's actually commanded us certain things to do in the Bible for worship. Uh, in Leviticus 10, uh, God actually kills two of Aaron's sons because they worship inappropriately, which is a fascinating story. So, yes, God definitely cares. But on this side of the cross, uh, before we get 
to the specific commands of what God has told us to do, I think we really need to discuss uh, our heart behind those commands. Yeah, certainly uh, the heart of what we do matters. Um, and so would you just go ahead and, and, and kind of dive into that, uh, speak further into the heart? Uh, in John 4, Jesus says that the Father is seeking worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And we talked about that in the last episode. Now, contrast that idea with the condemnation that Jesus gives these religious leaders in Mark 7, 1 through 8. So, the religious leaders are upset that Jesus and his disciples did not wash their hands according to the tradition of ceremonial washing. And Jesus says, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. And so, Uh, When we make worship what we think it is compared to what God says it is, then our hearts drift away from true worship. So, we end up teaching uh, human commands rather than God's commands. We become hypocrites. We don't want to be people who honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, let me me ask you this then. How do we avoid making things like... um, temporary human methods and uh, temporary human tools of worship more important than what God says to do in worship. Um, um, What do we do to have a heart that is close to God in our worship? Uh, In order to have a spirit, have spirit and truth, like John Fortz says, we need to start with the Bible, which is the source of truth. As, As we've said, we must fill up our minds with the Scripture, and as we do, we'll fill up our minds with the truth of who God is and what He's done. And, and that inspires our affections, our emotions, the response and expression of our heart. So one comes before the other, or one drives the other. The truth drives the affections. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19, Paul is praying for the church, that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love. This thoughtful comprehension, this knowing, it only comes from the truth in the Bible. Then Paul says that knowing Christ's love surpasses knowledge so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's rich. That's, that's transcendent. Other religions, such as Buddhism, insist that we must clear our minds to meditate and find peace. Christianity says exactly the opposite. We must fill our minds, fill it up with the knowledge of Jesus from the Bible. Fill it up every day from the Word as much as you can. Rehearse the gospel to yourself daily as as part of of your worship. That sort of fullness makes for incredibly spirit-filled corporate worship on the Lord's Day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I might add that the Apostle Peter exhorts us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe it's here that the Bible makes very clear that we need to fill our minds with God's truth and and so we need to change our lives according to the Bible rather than change the Bible according to our lives. And so, Jared, um, 
What does it look like for a person to approach worship this way? Um, I think when a person's heart is close to God in worship this way, then it shows itself in thankfulness. Um, so genuine thankfulness comes when you really understand the gospel, how you've been saved and what you've been saved from. Uh, so I think about the story of the 10 lepers in Luke 17. So all 10 of them were healed, but only one came back to Jesus. Um, and it says that he returned with a, a loud voice, giving glory to God and thanking Jesus. So, And Jesus then responds to him that your faith has saved you. So this guy's thankfulness was the sign of his faith in and love for Jesus. And I also think about uh, the familiar verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we can confidently say that God's will for your life in worship is to always be rejoicing and praying and thanking Him. Uh, and that is the evidence of a heart that's close to God. And I'd say that the opposite is true, too. So a, a person who is always complaining about something or whose prayers are superficial or lacking uh, and just never seems thankful is probably an indication of a heart that's far from God, a heart that's either drifted or maybe was never close to God in the first place. You know, as we, as we think about a worshiper's heart in this way, um, I really... I think it really does bring to light how uh, it can affect many different areas of our lives. Singing included, sure, but not just singing. Uh, Mike, um, considering uh, our hearts are close to God um, and then that we care about what He's commanded us to do in worship, um, then would you address some of what God has commanded us to do? Uh, certainly, of course, remember that uh, Romans 12 talks about worship being something which is 24-7, involves a totality of our lives, which are surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. And so living out that living sacrifice life, uh, there, are, are, there are many commands for Christians. The, the Bible is not just, uh, the New Testament, not just a, a book that's filled with um, grace that allows us to live however we want to, but, but the, the Lord is really interested in how we live our lives. And, and so, first of all, he's, in, in Matthew, we're told to love God with all of our hearts, soul, and minds, and strength, and we're to love others as ourselves. That's actually the, the summation of all the commandments. Christ himself said that. And in Matthew 6, we're told to pray. Um, in Psalm 119, as well as in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're told to delight in the reading and preaching of the Word of God. Um, we're told to sing in, in Psalm 33, in Psalm 96, in Ephesians 5, in Colossians 3. And wow, there are actually over 50 commands in the Bible to tell us to sing, both individually and together as a corporate uh, body. Uh, we're told to evangelize. The commandment is given to us very clearly in the Great Commission, as well as in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Matthew uh, 28 calls us to discipleship. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 uh, calls us to service. We're commanded to a life of stewardship in 2 Corinthians, and dealing with how we handle our personal resources. Uh, we are commanded to gather together as part of the local church in Hebrews chapter 10. 
And we're also to to celebrate baptism and the Lord's Supper in our church family. Um, That's given to us uh, originally in Matthew 26 and in Matthew 28. So this is just a summary of the commands uh, in our lives as Christians. There are other ways to organize a list like this. Someone may uh, combine, for instance, evangelism with discipleship or service along with loving others. The organization of the list is, is not as important as being able to see that these things are actually commanded in the Bible. Yeah, and, and, and as you were making that list there, uh, it, it really is evident that um, that list speaks to the entirety of, of our Christian life. And, and I think it really takes us back to what we said in a previous episode, uh, quoting Romans chapter 12, that our offering of ourselves as a living sacrifice is, is our true spiritual worship. And uh, even in addition to that, I would add, as Paul puts it in Colossians 3.17, that whatever you do, both in word and in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. And so our lives are to really be reprioritized uh, compared to to the world because of worship. And so, Jared, um, when our hearts are close to God and and we're not giving him just lip service, how does that begin to change each of these areas? Well, I think the um, the words that come to my mind are delight and desire. So you you desire knowing God and you love learning about Him. Uh, it causes you to love others, even your enemies. Uh, you you then can't hold grudges against people or show hate towards others, even if they persecute you. Uh, that is radical heart changed love right there. So. You, and then you love the Word, and I mean you, you love it. You delight in it. You want to be in it. You enjoy prayer. Um, you pray the Word, and you let the Word answer your prayers uh, by the Spirit uh, as He brings verses to your mind, and, uh, and your thankfulness to God for who He is and what He's done, and it just bubbles over, and you, you really can't help but sing. I mean, it it almost does not make sense to me when someone just never sings uh, if they're a believer. Like, I'm, I may understand um, not joining in on this particular song if it's hard for you or just not knowing the words or different reasons like that. But if it's a, a weekly, daily pattern of just never lifting your voice to the Lord singing, it just does not make sense because we're created and commanded to sing, it, it, but it's also a, a heart that's close to God that ends up just not being able to help it. Like, we just can't help it, but we just need to sing, um, whether we're alone or with other people. Uh, and then we, we want to tell others about Jesus we, because they don't worship Him yet. Uh, and just like we talked about it in that first episode, our worship causes us to want to evangelize well, that is true, Jared, that uh, the the world doesn't worship God. Uh, and so in order to worship God, uh, he calls us as his believers to give glory to him. And, and like, a, like a, this circular cycle, worship causes us to want to continue to grow in our walk with Christ in discipleship because worship feeds, uh, discipleship actually feeds our worship. And in turn, our worship feeds our discipleship. 
Worship also helps us to encourage other believers in this as well, which is the, the biblical beauty of corporate worship. So worship makes us want to serve people, like going out of our way to help them, to inconvenience ourselves because we want to do something for someone else, someone who needs it. Worship makes us want to uh, be generous with our money and our time and our energy. Uh, it, it's delightful to, to sacrificially give and, and give and, and, and give. When someone's serving or giving out of obligation with no enjoyment or no desire, that's not really worship. That's, that's one reason pastors don't enjoy twisting people's arms to serve in different ministries because we don't want people to have this vain lip service to God. Oh, I have to do this in order to earn some points with God. No, that's not worship. Furthermore, and, and guys, this is so critical, worship makes us want to gather with other saints. Now, I get it that COVID makes this more challenging during these times, but there should be a, a longing to, to be with the members of your church. Not a dread, not a stressful thing, but a joy. When we see baptisms and, and we get to join in the Lord's Supper, those should be the highlights of our week. Yeah, and so I guess in summary, a heart of worship would cause this desire and delight in the commands of God. And that's how we should worship. Excellent. So, in the beginning, we, we asked the question, how do we worship? And, um, and, and I'll s- summarize it this way. We worship by delighting in what God has commanded us and desiring to obey Him. Well, Jared, um, what can we expect on the next episode? In the next episode, we'll talk about how all of this, the why, the what, the how of worship, we'll, we'll talk about how that directly affects our Sunday worship gathering here at Fairview Baptist Church. So we'll get into the, the nitty-gritty. Yes, it should be <laughs> exciting. Um, well, uh, that's about all the time we have for today, but I've got one last quick question, and we'll start with you, Mike. What's the worst job that you've ever had? Oh, that's an easy one for me to answer. Um, fresh out of uh, my first year of college, in between my freshman and sophomore years, I was living in Miami. And uh, summer times in southern Florida can be very hot. Uh, the only job I could find at that time, this was in 1968, summer of 68, the only job I could find at that time was uh, working for a temporary help organization and uh, doing just grunt labor. Mm. And one one day, uh, they sent me all by myself to uh, work for a uh, feed supply place, and I had to unload a boxcar of 80-pound bags of dog food, 80 pounds. <laughs> and I was a scrawny kid, and I was sweating, and I was, oh, it was just the worst day of my life. I was so <laughs> tired at the end of that day. Yeah, I noticed when you said grunt work, I, I naturally had to grunt with you. <laughs> Jared, what about you? Um, probably the worst job I ever had was um, when I worked in a customer service call center mm. uh, for a moving company for those portable moving containers. I won't give away the name of the company to shame them or anything. It wasn't their fault. It was me. I just could not handle 
eight hours of people calling in and just screaming at me and chewing my head off all day long. Yeah. I mean, literally, I would, I would clock in and I would have physical anxieties about who's going to yell at me at what, you know, for what reason, and I'd have no idea how to help them. And yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure that it helped things that you're an introvert as well. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the introvert's nightmare. Uh, well, for me, I will um, say the name of the company uh, uh, because it's a great company. It's SeaWorld. Uh, I got a temporary job to work during a like haunted house type thing. I came in, I auditioned, and then they just kind of put me to the role that they thought was best. Uh, and so in the afternoon, there was kind of like a kitty haunted house, and then at night, a more serious one. And so uh, in the afternoon, I was uh, in a room of dots, and I would just kind of uh, just kind of come out of the wall, and then I would go back into the wall, you know, not too scary. Uh, and then at night, I was in a pod, like an alien pod that would open up, and then I would just scream at people and go back in. Well, uh, for what made um, the job so horrible was actually the costume. Uh, they pre-purchased the costumes before they hired the people. <laughs> and I, for both positions, I was given a size small leotard. One was black with <laughs> <laughs> various polka dots, and the other was gray uh, and uh so anyways, um, all my insecurities were put out there. Probably the scariest sight for people coming through was me and the leotard. <laughs> <Yuck>. <laughs> and so on that note, um, gentlemen, we are out of time. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, Fairview, may we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ.